You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Nagy isn't helping make the Chicago Bears quarterback situation any more clear with some confusing answers and then a PR statement afterward about what the Bears are going to do at quarterback. So we're going to let the tape help us decide and, and really go back through all of each quarterback's throws from the week two win over the Cincinnati Bengals and try and figure out where both of these quarterbacks stand at this point in the season. This is Locked on Bears and I'm your host Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBears. You can like LockedOnBears on Facebook, join the LockedOnBears Facebook group, and make sure that you click that subscribe button on the LockedOnBears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. On the show today, we start with the sort of unnecessary controversy that came out of Matt Nagy's dodging of the quarterback issue and then seemingly answering it later through a PR person. It was just a a really weird situation Monday morning. It kind of got blown up into a big thing, and we'll kind of talk about whether it is a big thing or, you know, whether we're just kind of getting worked up over what's ultimately a a kind of a, a meaningless moment that Maybe we will forget about here sooner rather than later. Then we'll go in-depth on first going through Andy Dalton's throws and see how he sort of performed independently as a quarterback. Then we'll go through Justin Fields and kind of compare, okay, what do the Bears have in each of their two quarterbacks? And I guess, health aside, what should the team do under center? But we need to start with the weird press conference moment and then the follow-up admission, the follow-up declaration. It was kind of a weird thing. Of course, you know, Matt Nagy, after the game, didn't really have an update on Andy Dalton. You know, not really sure what the injury situation was going to look like and didn't really give us much of a concrete update. But coming in on now yesterday, Monday, the the Bears still don't have like a, a full-on clear picture of exactly how long Andy Dalton might be out. They're pretty sure it's not a torn ACL. They don't think it's going to be like a season-ending caliber injury. It's believed to be some kind of a bone bruise at this point, which is a shorter-term injury, but still puts him in very much in question for next week's game against the Cleveland Browns. Expected to be uh, Justin Fields getting that start, but eventually there's going to be this tension of, okay, uh, which when Andy Dalton's healthy, what are the Bears going to do at quarterback? Here's how Matt Nagy is addressing the situation. Yeah, so what, what we'll have to do is... We'll have to be prepared when we, when we find out exactly what's going on with Andy is, is uh, understand, okay, is he able to go? Um, is he not able to go? Work through all that stuff. And, um, you know, because for us, you got a guy that's been in the league playing quarterback for a long time, and you got a guy that's never had an NFL start. So we'll have to work through that, which we will, and that gives us time tonight to be able to do that. Um, and that's what we'll do, you know, just kind of keep it that way. If Andy's healthy, is he your starter? If Andy is healthy, is he your star? Ah, uh, that's something that I'm not going to get into with scheme. That's not scheme. Of course, of course it is. That that's that's a hundred percent scheme, Brad. That's a hundred percent scheme. Kind of a weird back and forth there. I mean, the reporter asking the question, Brad Biggs. You know, f- fair question. Who's going to be your starter when when Matt Nagy's when Andy Dalton's healthy? And Nagy calling it a scheme issue is. 
feels like, I don't know, hiding behind something or dodging the question because it's a personnel issue, right? You can say there's a competitive advantage to not answering that question, but to call it a scheme issue, yes, the Bears will likely scheme things differently than for, for Fields than they will for Andy Dalton, I guess, but answering who's going to start if healthy is not giving away what the Bears' scheme will be, and that's where a lot of this controversy sort of started, and it only got weirder because within a couple of hours of that exchange at the press conference, and everyone kind of throwing their hands up and saying, what the heck is Nagy doing? It's not a scheme issue. Why are they doing this? A, a tweet came out from the same reporter, Brad Biggs. It said, Bears PR just came in the media room to deliver a message from Matt Nagy. Andy Dalton is the team's starting quarterback when he's healthy. And immediately, it begs the question, why couldn't Matt Nagy say that? And a couple of hours earlier, when asked directly that question, that's literally exactly what he has asked. If Andy Dalton is healthy, is he your starting quarterback? And Matt Nagy couldn't really provide a straight answer there and blamed it on scheme. And so, you know, I can see kind of both sides of this, where does it, it feels like this is an unnecessary circus, and it feels like poor leadership, it feels like just kind of weird dodging. Just be firm. Either Andy Dalton's your quarterback or you're not, or he's not. You're either going with fields or you're not, and that you want some decisiveness and a clear plan of action. Matt Nagy has said all along the Bears have a plan. They've got different scenarios built into this plan. It's a mysterious plan, but there's still a plan, and so they feel prepared for anything. And now all of a sudden it feels like maybe they weren't prepared for this or didn't have an answer for this, and, and right, it, it can be a signal that things are wrong or off or that Nagy's you know, bad in some way, shape, or form. I, I get that side of it. I also feel like, I don't know, he, he didn't want to give away a competitive advantage and then felt like later wasn't that big of a deal to say Dalton is our starter when healthy because you can still kind of hide behind, well, TBD if he's going to play this week or be healthy this week or when he's going to be healthy. So teams might still have to play behind both quarterbacks, right? I don't think in a vacuum one kind of weird press interaction is necessarily some greater signal of some issue with Matt Nagy, but you can add it to other evidence and paint the kind of picture that you want as to Nagy being, I don't know, the wrong guy. I mean, if you want to pile on this upon other things you don't like about Matt Nagy, it can certainly fit that narrative too. So I kind of find myself somewhere in the middle. It's not a big deal, but it's not an issue that other well-run teams seem to deal with. And so you raise an eyebrow at it and go, hmm, doesn't feel like that's maybe how it should be done. And something is a little bit off here. And it, it, it adds a little bit more doubt or question as to whether or not they truly are doing this the right way with both of these quarterbacks. So that's why I, I kind of want to decide for ourselves here and go back through some of the tape of the Bears-Bengals game here. I went through and rewatched every single throw from Andy Dalton and Justin Fields, and we'll go through some of those notes, what we learned about the quarterbacks, and where they sort of stand from here moving forward next on Locked On Bears. I'm curious to see how these quarterback decisions affect the betting line at betonline.ag, your number one place for all your sports betting needs. They've got all of the updated props, contests, and regular money line spread over under, you name it. They've got everything you need for all the pro and college football action this season, plus baseball season wrapping up. We've got hockey around the corner, basketball not far away either, soccer, tennis, racing. I mean, you name it. If it's a sport, They've got it at betonline.ag. Bears are going to be underdogs to the Cleveland Browns, absolutely, but we'll kind of see from here whether that line moves a little bit, if Justin Fields is really formally declared the starter, if that increases confidence or decreases confidence. We certainly saw 
The Bears' defense do a lot of the carrying the weight last week against the Bengals, but we would expect progress from Justin Fields perhaps, but his biggest test yet against the Cleveland Browns. It's going to be really fun to keep an eye on, and it's going to be, it makes the game more fun if you've got some money down at betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account and enter our promo code LOCKEDON to receive a free welcome bonus matching your first deposit. That's even more money for you to play with and win big at betonline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. Upon first glance, right, watching this game live, we all kind of felt like we felt that 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 refound confidence in Andy Dalton after that first drive. But like, oh, they drove down, had a nice touchdown drive, and it was like, oh, this is what the Chicago Bears offense is supposed to look like with Andy Dalton. This is kind of how you draw it up. You know, it was some consistent passing and a couple of intermediate throws in there, a nice touchdown to Allen Robinson, and boom, you're kind of off to the races here early on. You know, as they went on, things slowed down a little bit from there, and then you get the injury and Dalton's out of the game, and you're left kind of wondering what happened and, and where things go. And that's why I really wanted to take – I took a lot of time today and really went through – every single throw and, and kind of charted some things down. I mean, I, I wrote, took notes on, you know, down and distance and the throw and the route concept and from what we could glance on the coverage from there. And then, of course, just sort of evaluating the throw separately from the results, trying to say, okay, what did Andy Dalton do on this play? And same with Justin Fields when we go through that. It's, it's did the quarterback make an accurate pass, whether it was caught or not, or whether there was a penalty that took it back or whatever. What did the quarterback do each and every time that we can sort of extrapolate from and figure out how well this quarterback played and, and how that might apply moving forward. And I, I love having access to the NFL next gen stats charts that also really kind of show everywhere where Andy Dalton threw the passes on the field. And you can see all the different sort of dots as you look at the completions, the incompletions, the touchdowns. It would, it would also list the interceptions, but it's all relative to the line of scrimmage. So you can see the depth of each throw as well. And so it, it was kind of a criti criticism point two weeks ago against the, the Rams that all of his throws were, were pretty much 10 yards and under. A similar trend this week, but he had three of them go for 10-plus, including the touchdown and two other completions. He was 3-for-3 three three on those 10-plus throws, all sort of slightly to the right of the pocket in the middle of the field. He tended to throw a little bit more right than a little bit left, but I think there were a few throws in particular that really stood out to me for Andy Dalton. And, I, and I, I tried to go through for both these quarterbacks, not just every throw, but every passing play. So to try and get a sense of, okay, when they did scramble, was it a good idea? Did they scramble correctly? Did they leave the pocket too early? Was it good pocket presence? What did they do with those scrambles? Same with the sacks. So, you know, all those types of different things, the penalty plays that came back to really kind of go through each and every one of them. So I think the first thing that stood out to me was the third throw of the game from, from Andy Dalton. I believe it was a a big sort of 15-yard conversion there, picked up a first down. It's just a, a kind of a classic dig route, but it was that 15-yard completion there. It was the, I believe it was the deepest completion of the game that was not the touchdown pass. And it was a just a fire over the middle to, I believe, Darnell Mooney, if I remember correctly. Just a kind of a cover four deep defense, trying to make sure the Bears don't do anything over the top. But play action for Andy Dalton sucked in those three underneath linebackers and then he found the firing space right sort of behind them underneath the deep coverage but behind the shallow coverage that has stepped up to make that play and I, it was sort of representative of how play action can help open up things for this offense and there was a feeling like 
Dalton got a lot of that early in that game and that maybe Justin Fields didn't get as much. We'll get into some of that as the game went on. I, I found that to be less true than I thought as we went through. But I, another play, a little bit farther later in that drive, it was the the defensive pass interference to Marquise Goodwin on the deep left sideline. That one doesn't technically show up on Andy Dalton's passing chart because it was nullified by the penalty. So in the stats, it doesn't even count as a pass attempt. But you're talking, you know, 20-plus yards down the left sideline. And that was one where pressure in the pocket, third and 12, Andy Dalton escapes, rolls out to his left side. You're thinking he's probably just going to scramble, but it's third and 12, and he knows he wants to get some kind of shot downfield. He's probably not going to run for the first down because it's it's Andy Dalton. I mean, he knows his strengths. And, you know, just puts one up there for Marquise Goodwin. And, of course, he wasn't really open when he threw the ball, but had his guy go up and take a chance at it. And, of course, the pass interference pushed out of bounds. You call it a 50-50 ball. Maybe for a 5'9 wide receiver, not always your first choice there, but I think it, it was the propensity to open things up downfield, and it moved the offense significantly as to where, you know, he finished like 6-7, and that first drive, he went 6-7 for 39 yards. It's not a, a world-beating stat line. It's efficient, but it's not a lot of yards. But the defensive pass interference really made up for a lot of those yards and a big reason why the offense pushed. But it wasn't necessarily an elite throw from Dalton. It was at best a 50-50 ball, and really the pass interference kind of bailed him out because, it, it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't spot-on accuracy. It wasn't hitting a wide-open receiver. It was just taking a shot, flipping a coin, and seeing what happens. And ultimately, it plays out well for the Chicago Bears. Then it, that drive wraps up with the touchdown pass to Allen Robinson. We talked about it briefly on yesterday's podcast, but that was a wow throw. That was impressive, top-notch red zone execution by Andy Dalton. Just a, a post route to Allen Robinson. Looked like a kind of a red zone cover three coverage for the for the Bengals defense. So three deep defenders in the end zone, four guys underneath in front of the end zone. And I thought Dalton did a really good job of, as he's dropping back, really staring down the middle of the field safety a little bit, kind of locking him there. And then at the last minute, flipping right to Allen Robinson, and delivering that ball. And like his eyes were on Robinson, but his helmet was turned a little bit toward the safety. So his eyes didn't match the direction his helmet was looking at to keep that safety in the middle of the field and not drifting over to Robinson. So he can fire it in there again, behind the underneath coverage, but inside of the outside cover three cornerback. I mean, it was just perfect timing, perfect velocity, perfect placement, perfect read, perfect looking off of the safety. I mean, it was just, it was everything you would want from Andy Dalton as a veteran quarterback. And all of that sort of left me feeling like we saw there peak Andy Dalton, not just on that throw, but on that opening drive. That is the best we've seen Andy Dalton in his career. And that was enough for a touchdown drive, but it was also six of seven for 39 yards. It was, I think, one there was one pass of 15-plus. There was also a 10-yard curl in there. And then the touchdown to Allen Robinson also was, I think, 12 yards in there. So you had you had three downfield passes out of the seven, plus the pass interference one. But it wasn't what I would call explosive offense, but it was taking care of the football and moving the offense enough. And that's, that's what Andy Dalton has done throughout his career. And I think what stands out so much for me on that drive is good protection in the pocket, good Good time to throw, receivers getting open and making catches. And, and that's what we knew Andy Dalton was, that Andy Dalton can be this good if you give him playmaking receivers, you give him time to throw, and you give him a little bit of a running game threat as well. Then he can kind of do some of this and, and lead the Bears offense to that regard. But that's about the capacity. That's, that, that's what the ceiling has been for Andy Dalton. And that's where the real question, I think, for Justin Fields comes in is, can't is Justin Fields 
better than that ceiling for Andy Dalton or how soon can he get there if he's not there yet? And so we'll go through Justin Fields' throws and all his passing plays, which included some scrambles, a sack, an interception, and some ups and downs along the way next on Locked On Bears. Seems like Dalton is so reliant on all the parts around him, and nobody knows more about great parts than our friends at rockauto.com. They're a family business that have been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. They get anything you could need for your vehicle, from engine control modules and fuel pump assemblies to tail lamp, motor oil, new carpet, the easy stuff. Whatever you need, they've got it at rockauto.com. So you don't have to waste time going into your chain part store in your town and talking to the person behind the counter, and they punch it in their computer. They're asking you a bunch of questions, trying to figure out if you know what you're talking about. They go look in the back. They don't have it in stock either. They have to ship it to your house anyway. Cut off the middleman. RockAuto.com has everything you need. It's super easy to navigate, but their catalog is deep. I'm telling you, you can find all the different brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. They don't charge less or more if you're a professional mechanic or you do it yourself or like some of the parts stores do. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, so don't spend up to twice as much somewhere else. When you check out, Make sure you fill out their box that says, how did you hear about us? And write the words locked on. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you watch the game live. Another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. And you got your brother's friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. It's a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it, bring, it brings all of your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to ever buy another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. I was curious to see how things might vary for the Justin Fields package once he really took over fully for Andy Dalton in this game. I was looking for things Matt Nagy was doing to help his rookie quarterback, things that he could have been doing instead to better support his rookie quarterback, and how it might have differed from what they were doing with Andy Dalton earlier in the game. And I think first and foremost, you look at that next-gen stats passing chart for, for Justin Fields, and something that stands out right away is he attempted two passes in the middle of the field. One was the interception. The other was a, a weird kind of, he was under pressure and ran and kind of did a jump pass while being hit, trying to flip it to a running back. I think it was Damian Williams, if I remember correctly. But regardless, it was all sidelines over and over again. Mostly, well, it was, it was split pretty evenly between the left and the right, but a lot of deep throws downfield to the sidelines and, and some shallow as well, but really not finding the middle of the field. And, and that's that's fairly common for rookie quarterbacks to tend to avoid the middle of the field because there's a lot more traffic there and it can be a bit more difficult of a read. But I, I think it starts for me with fields with a lot more downfield passing that tends to be more difficult, less easy completions. That's why I think his completion percentage wasn't quite up to where Andy Dalton's was, but it also took him fewer passes to get as many and then more yards as the game went on. He was get, He was more 
effective in that way of actually getting. He, he was efficient in terms of the yards per completion as opposed to efficient in terms of the actual completion percentage. You know, first play he came in, he was a little late on the comeback route. I think it was, it was a Marquise Goodwin that kind of rounded out the top of his route, but you know that, that wasn't really when he was handed the keys. It was just giving Dalton that break. I think that was actually after the, uh, the uh, oh, no, it was after a penalty play that was kind of called back for Andy Dalton. But then, you know, as, as Fields actually comes in, after Dalton's injury, it's really his first full drive is the two-minute drive, and he has a really nice sideline completion there to Darnell Mooney, I believe, just a, a kind of a classic flood concept. And as you start to see those those passes over and over again, the formations throughout that entire two-minute drive, and you see it really throughout the whole game for Justin Fields. First of all, a shotgun, which he did a couple of under center throws, but for the most part, it was shotgun, which he did at Ohio State, much more comfortable in that regard. But if you go back and watch that game, you'll notice it's a lot of Three by ones. It's three receivers to one side, one receiver to the right. And it's almost always a, a bigger single receiver tends to be closer to line of scrimmage. They'd alternate whether it was a left or the right side, but it, it seemed to be a, a very similar look that the Bears were giving the Bengals defense consistently with Justin Fields in the game. And some of that you could you could either call that predictability. Or you can, you can kind of point to what Sean McVay has done for the Los Angeles Rams and say, make everything look the same so the defense then doesn't know what's going to come out of the same look over and over again. I think that was more the point for Justin Fields. It does make it easier for Fields because he's not having to think about where guys are going to come out of their breaks and formations. But also then it becomes everything looks the same for the defense and you can kind of lull them into some of that. We did see Justin Fields go under center a few times. We did see them run play action with Justin Fields under center. There was definitely more play action for Andy Dalton. That stood out through and through. I haven't looked at the exact play action percentage numbers from Pro Football Focus, but I think I counted as I, as I, as I live sort of re- recount my play action. I think I see two, three-ish maybe play action dropbacks for Justin Fields. Would like to see more. It does a lot to help the quarterback. We didn't see many moving pockets for Justin Fields, but there weren't that many for Andy Dalton either. You know, his play actions, he tended to kind of settle down and not really do a full rollout. It wasn't rolling out to be like a half-field read the way we thought with Mitch Trubisky late in last season. So you'd like to see more of that for Justin Fields, but it wasn't as though it was completely different for Andy Dalton. But I think for Fields, what stood out to me was the some of the downfield passes that just we, we haven't seen... Dalton attack in that same way. There was one where, you know, Marquise Goodwin had to go up for it and kind of got pushed out of bounds at the end of the first half. It looked like he was out of bounds, but they reviewed it and somehow still gave the Bears completion. You know, that one I think was, uh, it was over 10 yards. I want to say it was in the 12 to 13 yard range for that one. Then you saw even later on, or no, that was in the second half then, you saw the first, one of his first throws, it was under center, play action, you know, that sort of standard Andy Dalton-type drop back thrown to the deep left part of the field, and it was off Darnell Mooney's fingertips. And it was a, a same kind of flood concept. They kept going to a lot of the same concepts out of, you know, they'd flip it to one side and it'd be different receivers, but it, it was the same read for, for fields, but it looked different to the defense because it wasn't always the same three receivers running the same three routes from the same three positions. It ended up being the same three routes in the end, so it looks the same for Fields, but sometimes the out guy would be from the inner slot. Sometimes he would be crossing from the backside. Sometimes the vertical receiver would be on the outside. Sometimes they'd be you know, more of the slot kind of wheeling out of there. So you got some different looks there to help 
lull the defense into not always knowing that Fields was getting some similar reads they came back to. It felt like fewer curls and slants. I mean, you come back to not throwing over the middle of the field for Justin Fields. I think that would lead to some of that. You also had uh, one of the longest completions of the game. I think it was his longest completion there. The about 19-yard green dot on the passing chart to the deep left was a similar flood concept. This one was a deep crossing route across the field, again to Darnell Mooney. It was the same kind of play that Mooney had gone off his fingertips earlier in the game. They came back to it on the next drive and hit it with, again, clean pocket, play action out of the shotgun, really gave Justin Fields more time and an easier field to read through. Then you add in the Allen Robinson dropped touchdown pass, which is the deepest of the white dot incompletions on Justin Fields' passing chart from NFL Next Gen Stats. I mean, just beautiful throw. They, they left a tight end and a running back in to block. They, there was a blitz there, but Justin Fields still had a clean enough pocket to be able to step in and drop that in right there, 35 yards downfield into the breadbasket. The whole narrative of Justin Fields' performances changes if you add that 35 yards and a touchdown there on a throw where he did everything he's supposed to throw. You had the mistakes in there as well, the the strip sack in the pocket. It was one where the pressure for Justin Fields came first up the middle. And so when he felt that pressure, he had tried to step up in the pocket. The pressure came up the middle, and so he was trying to run away from that. And he hadn't really had a chance then to feel the backside, blindside pressure behind him. And so as he's sort of scrambling away, the pressure he had no idea was there, swatted the ball out. He does need to know that pressure is there. It's not an excuse by any means. It's just that's what happened on the play is that he didn't feel that pressure because he was first feeling the pressure that was more so directly in front of him. But what we did see from that point on, a couple more scrambles after that, Fields puts two hands on the ball. Ball security was was sort of drilled into his head from there, and we saw him take that seriously. He broke a tackle on a scramble later in the game where the guy was pulling at the ball, but he had two hands on it instead of one and was able to, it was I think it was the last scramble of the game where he picked up the, the game ceiling first down on a third and nine. On that one, I thought he left the pocket too early, right? So pocket presence does continue to be the number one concern. If I go back over Fields' performance and say, where did he look like a rookie and where, where does he need the most time to develop and where would I be, I guess, the most concerned? It's not the interception. That one, it was a, it was a heavy blitz. He was throwing his hot read. You know, that's what you, you know, in the preseason, he took that big hit because the blitz came unblocked and he didn't throw his hot read. And they said, everyone, oh, he should have he should have seen the blitz coming and throwing the hot read. We got criticized for taking the hit. This one, he throws the hot read as he's supposed to, but just didn't see the linebacker late dropping. He, he blitzed at first and then dropped back into coverage behind it. It's a classic robber coverage. Otherwise, it was cover zero man. He read everything else the way he was supposed to, just didn't see the linebacker. It's not a mistake I would anticipate Justin Fields making more than once. But the pocket presence was not nearly as good as Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton had pristine pocket presence. He always knew when to move, when not to move, how much to move. And it was it was impressive pocket presence through and through. But Fields, you know, a couple times he stayed in longer than he should. A couple times he bailed earlier than he should. And then, you know, ball security in there as well. That's the area he most needs to improve. It's also an area that I think you can only improve in-game because you can't truly simulate pocket pressure in practice when the guys can't actually hit you. You know, you can... You can kind of pretend, you know, and move guys around and say, how do you react here and here? But it's very different when it's an opponent and it's a live situation. It's not predictable and you don't know exactly what's going to happen. And to have Justin Fields improve in that way, I think, is going to require him to be on the field in these live game situations. So, no, I think on Sunday against the Bengals, in the limited action that we saw, Andy Dalton played better. It was peak Andy Dalton and it was not peak Justin Fields. And I think that's the whole point for me is Justin Fields still did fine. He had 
he had good throws to match all of the bad moments. Drop touchdown pass, the Colcomet pass interference, downfield the Darnell Mooney caught, downfield the Darnell Mooney dropped in the same area on the same route. I mean, three, four, five plus throws downfield that are like NFL caliber plus throws, move the needle in a positive way, throws that we don't see very many of from Andy Dalton. So you have three or four of those, plus then on the negative side, you have the interception, the fumble that he recovered, and there were the jump pass was kind of iffy. I mean, so to me, there was enough positive to outweigh all of the negative, and all of that was his first experience in really handed the keys off the bench in a game that, you know, they weren't game planning for him. I think there's just so much room for so much to be better moving forward with Justin Fields as a starting quarterback, whereas we saw the best of Andy Dalton there, and it was, it was all right against the Cincinnati Bengals. Not necessarily top-flight playoff-caliber opponent that we're expecting to see this season. And so Dalton can beat teams like the Bengals. He can be good enough to beat teams like the Bengals. Justin Fields can be good enough to beat teams like the Browns. Might not be right away, but he needs that time on the field to get there. And that's why the Bears have to keep rolling with Justin Fields, regardless of Andy Dalton's injury status. If Fields gets way in way, way over his head and things start going too fast and he has some Zach Wilson moments, then you can, you can put him on the bench again. And I don't think it's going to kill his confidence. It's just going to help him sort of avoid from making bad habits. But I think let Justin Fields fail because we know that he can be better and we, we don't know yet just how good he can be. And we know how good Andy Dalton is is and how good he isn't. And we know the limitations there, but the bounds are so much wider with Justin Fields. That's what the tape showed us in this one game sample size. It's a small sample size. That's why we got to break down more games of whatever quarterbacks we're going to see moving forward here. And you'll be sure we'll do that each and every week right here on the Lockdown Bears podcast. So make sure that you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Hopefully we'll get a more concrete Andy Dalton injury update here to keep you rolling this week. Then on Thursday's Crossover Thursday podcast, we'll be joined by Jeff Lloyd from Lockdown Browns. Figure out what's going on with Baker Mayfield. He's got some injured wide receivers that might bode well for the Bears. We'll get the scoop on that as well. Friday's podcast, game plan, trying to figure out a plan for how the Bears can win. Hopefully we know what quarterback they're going to have before we put together that game plan. So keep tuning in, keep following along. I hope everyone's been enjoying the start of the season so far. I appreciate all the great feedback that we've gotten on the podcast. Appreciate all the likes, the comments on the YouTube channel, even when you disagree with me, I, I appreciate the the friendly, even if if uh, you know adversarial comments there. It's always some good back and forth, and I think all of the, the discussion around the podcast just makes it that much easier for all of us to bear down. <laughs>